two notebooks now. Oh my god. You know what? I'm almost at two notebooks. I've only got enough for maybe four more movies. One, it, it's for different parts. When I'm sitting and watching TV, this is my notebook. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm over there working and a thought comes to me, I have this like old sketch pad that someone left in the lost and found of silver platters oh, nice. <laughs> that I've just been scribbling. Not even like, I don't, I can't write in a straight line. It's all crooked. <laughs> You'll notice my note uh, here. Are you King Cobra? <laughs> From a more lucid moment I had, <laughs> the question was that I was going to ask when I wrote that note was, are you excited about the movie King Cobra? <laughs> Answer is yes, yeah, of actually. Course, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, mean, I those old pornos were hot. Why wouldn't you be? Uh, I used to really think James Franco was a hottie. Something, <sighs> something happened. Uh, you got to know him. <laughs> like he wants to be gay so bad. <laughs> like, yeah. Between this movie and uh, that interior leather bar. Yeah. Like <laughs> just. Come on over. Yeah, it seems like he's a little gun-shy, though. Yeah. Just, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of guys that would love to break him in, mm -hmm. but he just won't make that final step. Or maybe he keeps, maybe he's trying it, and he's just like, God, this just isn't working for me. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's too bad. I mean, he'd be a welcome addition to our family. Yeah, we, we'd love to have him aboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, James. Franco. <laughs> If you're listening, you're welcome to come on the podcast, but yeah. I was actually talking about um, welcome you over to the pink team. Yeah. As it, as it were. I mean, you can do both. Make your big announcement. Yeah. yeah. You could you could come out on the podcast. It, if you want to make it arty, you could date both of us for a short period of time, and you could officially become one of the exes. Yeah. And then you'll be... But you have to date both of us. Yeah, and then you can be on the podcast and, like, you know, it, it'll all be legit. <laughs> yeah. There would be no legal issues. <laughs> Just think on it. Just think on it, James. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, yeah. How's uh, how's life? Pretty good. Uh, I was thinking about uh, Star Wars. I was late to the game on Rogue One. I didn't see it. Oh, until, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, much later than everyone else, but it was good. It was all right. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, but I was thinking about how expanded a universe, like the Star Wars universe is. Sure. And I was like, because there's a lot of fan fiction that has sort of like been rolled into the canon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that, I don't know, to me, like, that seems crazy that like a fan would write something and it becomes so popular that it gets rolled into the universe. Yeah. Uh... I guess, like, Harley Quinn in uh, Batman the Animated Series, like, that's a invention of the cartoon, like, the animated series. Oh, okay. And people just liked her, so they put and her in the comic books. Adopted it? Wow. Yeah. And, Look at that. Yeah. Uh, and that always just strikes me as crazy. I'm like, wow, how? Like... They're just going to take ideas wherever they can get them, you know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame writers. They're like, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> uh... I mean, I, yeah, I can I can see, like, the draw, because it's kind of fun to, like, think of an expanded universe for, like, some of your, like, you know, your other favorites. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking, like, this must be why there's so many, like, superfluous sequels out there. Like, 
why there are sequels to movies that never, ever, ever needed a sequel. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a sequel to Chinatown. Like, why would you make a sequel there to Chinatown? There is? Yeah, it's directed by Jack Nicholson. Why? Yeah. It, it's like, part of that movie is that, you know, it was a mystery, and like, it came to a conclusion, but it's not like everything was wrapped up in a bow. Yeah. It doesn't need to be, though. It's its own, like, yeah. pulpy novel movie. Right. And so I feel like doing a sequel... Or making a sequel to that movie is sort of a disservice to the original yeah. one. Yeah, is it still the same detective? I would imagine so. I haven't actually seen it. It's called like the Two Jakes or the Two Jacks or Ooh. something. That sounds terrible. But at the same time, if you know some movie executive asked you to write some shitty sequel to like a movie that you loved, you know, you'd probably say yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, if if. Head of Warner Brothers was like, Ryan, we want you to make Mildred Pierce 2, Vita's Revenge. <laughs> uh, we'll give you $40,000. Ooh. Make it 60. <laughs> I'd write Mildred Pierce 2. I'd do it for free. <laughs> you should, and see if it gets picked up. <laughs> Vita's Revenge. Just imagine it. Sigourney Weaver is, is Vita, all grown up. She's done her time, and now she's got, like, a Kellyanne Conway sort of position for, like, a corrupt president. <laughs> I was picturing her be, like, a, a, a piano teacher. <laughs> oh, okay. I feel like that's small-scale. Vita thought big. Okay, sure, she, sure, sure. She wanted those, those big bucks. Uh, and then her daughter ha- is, like, set out to, like, stop her from, like, corrupting the nation. <laughs> and she, the only one who can stop her... The only one who's defeated her before, Mildred Pierce. <laughs> uh, this is where we can get those old ladies we were talking about a few episodes ago. So, Mildred Pierce, you know, I'm thinking of Ben Kenobi, Miss Havisham sort of situation. <laughs> okay. Locked away in some retirement community, living off the pension from her restaurant. Sure. And this is, you know, Angela Lansbury. You know who I had in mind. Who's that? A little known actress by the name of Jessica Walter. Yes! <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm on board all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, the sequel's not so bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who played the daughter. It'd probably make me do Kirsten Stewart or something like that. Yeah, but... I mean, we can do enough. Oh, you know who would be great is that Shalene Woodley. <laughs> your, your favorite. I love her. Throw, like, throw anything. She can be in anything mediocre and she elevates it. So, <laughs> so Jessica Walter Sigourney Weaver and what was her name? Shalene Woodley. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Another mispronunciation yeah. <laughs> of the canon. Uh, but yeah, no, I totally write that movie. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who would you like to direct it? Do you have any any favorites? Well, naturally myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, but if that wasn't part of the bargain, I guess I'd settle for Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Second choice. <laughs> Listen, Steve. <laughs> I get creative control. <laughs> Final cut. This is my movie, Steve. <laughs> Five points on the back end. And 20% of the merchandise. <laughs> the Mildred Pierce merchandise. <laughs> All those t-shirts. Oh, there's like... The bobbleheads. <laughs> would, you could, would there be like a tie-in with food? You could have like a, a chicken and waffle situation. <laughs> yeah. No, we get... Uh... KFC and <laughs> or Mildred Pierce special. <laughs> <laughs> Two 
two drumsticks, two breasts, mashed potatoes, three biscuits, <laughs> a side of spite. <laughs> All for eleven ninety nine. <laughs> hmm. uh, I can see Jessica Walter selling that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hmm. Boy. I don't know why Hollywood hasn't recruited us yet. <laughs> it's a matter of time. We're, it's really... we're just flowing with good ideas. <laughs> time is the only variable in this situation. It's an eventuality, I say. This is just really an extended resume for... <laughs> This whole podcast. Or audition just, tape, however yeah, you want to look at yeah. it. <laughs> We're just brimming with good ideas. Yeah, you can, you, we'll, we'll take any crappy idea turn it into gold. <laughs> uh, speaking of crappy ideas that got turned into gold, um, we were talking last week about um, what the Oscars... is. Was Oscar a real person? And I looked it up. <laughs> yeah. And no, or maybe, is the answer. <laughs> Apparently he was so... Hey, that's, uh, those were the options <laughs> from, uh, Edward Nigma, the little dude in his home. That's right. No in question mark. Yeah. The little carnival dummy in his wow. apartment. Maybe Joel Schumacher's a little more prescient than we gave him credit <laughs> that for. That was a little nod to the Academy. Uh, he, yeah, he, uh... It was some, like, librarian who worked at the Academy, and they came out with a statuette, and she said, hey, that looks like my Uncle Oscar. Oh, really? Yeah. So, she could have been lying. Yeah. Or, and not had an uncle named Oscar. Or maybe she really didn't. It did look like him. Who knows? But, fun fact. (laughs) In quotations. Her (laughs) uncle was dipped in liquid gold. Game of Thrones style. What if, what if she said it with horror, but that's not part of the story? She's like, that was like Michael Oscar! <laughs> just it got, that part of the of the story kind of got Typical lost. Hollywood. <laughs> Always whitewashing the truth. Just gloss over that little detail. Well, <sighs> welcome. Welcome to the Valentine's Day edition mm-hmm. of X-Rated. Mm-hmm. It's uh, getting all romantic around here. Uh, my Hit name is Ryan. Edge of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Ryan Whedon. I'm Matt Fisher. And um, hopefully the world is still here by the time we post this. These things are sort of like little letters to ourselves in the future. Yeah. We should end each one of these by saying like, dear Matt, dear Ryan, <laughs> you've seen things that we haven't seen. <laughs> You've experienced more than we've experienced. Hang in there, future man, Ryan. <laughs> Stay strong. Stay strong. Godspeed. <laughs>
because my, all the ones that I like are pretty obvious. Um, and this was on the list, and I, I real and because I'm such an egomaniac, I just assumed that like, oh, I barely know this movie. Maybe nobody else has ever heard of it. Mm, mm, Turns mm. out it's on AFI's list of the most hundred, the most important American movies. At Breaking our creed. Number ninety three. <laughs> I know. Um, it also was nominated for ten Oscars <laughs> and won five of them. So apparently, a lot of people know about this movie. Um, but I, I really like it. And uh, I, what I, movie is it? Oh. I'm just building suspense. Um, it's The Apartment by um, Mr. Billy Wilder, Billy Wilder um, who has many great movies under his belt. Yeah, he... Prior to this movie, even. I think I've only seen one of his movies that I wasn't crazy about. And I, I don't know, I've probably seen ten of his movies. Yeah. Uh, no, of like, you know, I don't consider Hitchcock to be like a classic Hollywood director. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he didn't make movies in that industry, but... I think of like the the classic like big studio directors. Billy Wilder is probably the best of them. Yeah, I I, I think he's, uh, or at least he's he's my favorite of that era of like classic Hollywood big studio filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Wilder is my guy, and he's uh, he's not he's not one for flashy. <laughs> I've realized he's very he's he's more his interest comes from his plots and like character development. I kind of. Found well, looking back over it. When I was watching this, I kind of realized, because it had been a while since I'd seen a movie that was this old, mm-hmm. and it kind of made me realize how, yeah, how unflashy the direction was. Like, I mean, not just with him, but, like, that was sort of the style of the time, was that yeah. the, the, uh, the direction was sort of, like, makeup. Like, you don't really notice that it's there. Right. Uh, I mean, of course it's there, and the framing, the blocking, you know, the editing, you know, his hand is, is there Indeed, and all that yeah. stuff, but... It's invisible, really. Like, you don't notice it, you know. Uh, it just kind of flows really naturally, mm-hmm. and you're just attentive. Exactly. You know, you don't notice, like, big, flashy anything. Yeah. Set pieces or designs or anything. It just kind of flows really naturally. It doesn't draw attention to itself. It's almost like he's thinking of it less as a visual medium and more as a storytelling medium. Yeah. And doing it in a way... I, I One of the pros I found while watching this time was that it's really... Uh, the pacing of the movie is really great. Like, it's really measured. Yeah. And he keeps you... Every scene feels <laughs> necessary. And, uh, like, proper length, well-timed. Like, it just... I don't know. It felt like a really... It's a quick two hours. It's a two-hour movie, but it doesn't yeah. really feel like two hours. While watching it. I, I think directors back then were sort of more tacticians about the movie. Like, they weren't trying to, like, make this, like, you know... It, I think they put, like, movie first style second. That, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, mean, I think that changed in probably, like, the, the 70s when you started to see more auteurs right. yeah, yeah. come about. And I, I think really, like, yeah, Billy Wilder is one of those directors that, you know, everything was for the sake of the movie. Uh, it wasn't for like the sake of style or to be cool or flashy. Right. It was, you know, to to make just yeah, uh, like the best storytelling device. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a pretty good story. It's a, a unique story, was, I think. Uh, that was another thing I was thinking about because I was thinking about other screwball comedies. Mm-hmm. You know, screwball comedies had this heyday from you know the mid '30s, really until like. The, the early to mid 60s sure this is probably like the the breaking the wave moment uh for screwball comedies because it, it still kind of has that element of you know he's nervous and jittery and 
she's cool and collected and they're you know i don't want to say from different worlds but uh they're they're two different types of of energies yeah uh and you know the screwball comedies are all about straight laced dudes and daffy dames and right you know putting opposites together and seeing what happens and i mean they kind of did that here i mean jack lemon's very nervous and jittery especially in like the earlier scenes right like yeah. the first third and she uh shirley mcclain is so calm uh and i i liked her her she i her vibe in it seemed very modern to me yeah I, she's she feels the most natural of all the people acting wise I yeah think. like you can kind of jack lemon's pretty good but you can kind of tell he's he's line reading a little bit and kind mm-hmm. of hamming it up and also fred mcmurray is kind of doing the same thing where it's like this is what you're always like <laughs> you're just reading lines kind of um, but that's just the style, and that was the style of acting at the time. But she's she brings a more natural edge to it, which I really like. Yeah, she just kind of reminded <clears throat> me of women that I know in real life. Yeah. Just that, like, calm, sort of, like, having to put up with bullshit from, like, men ogling her all the time. Yeah. Or making inappropriate passes and comments. And, you know, she's just, like, learned to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and half of it's by, like, tuning it out. I don't know, it, it just struck me as, like, yeah, like... Her style and her energy was very modern. That you know, it came across as like you know timeless to me at least. Yeah. Which is funny because if if you, I can't help but imagine now if they had remade this movie now, you know they'd make her like super quirky and she'd have like a feather in her hair or something like something. She'd be played stupid. by Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, and it'd be called the Apartment. <laughs> and she'd be uh, she'd play. What she she needs a weird instrument, the ukulele or something. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, I could see that. Just like they don't make her, they don't make her quirky and you know weird. Like she's just, yeah, she's just kind of a cool city girl. You yeah, know? with terrible taste in men, <laughs> just terrible. Yeah, seriously. Like maybe I'm just not seeing it. Maybe Fred McMurray D back in the day was like top <laughs> shelf action, but I don't know. I felt like she could do better. Yeah. I mean, outside that he was just, like, a scuzzball, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, that bar they go to is really cool, though. Oh, yeah. The rickshaw? Man. It's <laughs> a good name. I would, hang out, I would hang out there a, a lot. Like a basement bar with all those booths and, I don't know, it looked like a lot of fun. Isn't that the cha-cha? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but in the 50s. <laughs> I like, and I guess while we're speaking about characters, um, Jack Lemmon's character is kind of, there's not much to him. There's, he's not that special of a person. You know what I mean? They, they make him out to be, like, super average, super straight-laced. Mm-hmm. Like, he said how much he was making at the very beginning, and I inflation calculated it. Uh, he was making 95-something a week. Right. Which, uh, in today's money, means that he would be making... Uh, 40 grand a year. Oh. Plus some change. That's not very much. Yeah, so like, very like... Low level. Yeah. Uh, His apartment was only $85 a month. Yeah. It was big. Yeah. But I did notice that they... In that, in like the opening when he's like introducing himself, he's like, yeah, I got this apartment. You know, perfect for the bachelor lifestyle, but he's not leading that bachelor lifestyle. Right. All his supervisors are. Right. He's a, 
He's just sort of like an, I guess he's supposed to be just kind of an everyman. And there's shots that kind of prove that, like, you know, that big, I think it's kind of a famous shot of The Office, and we first Mm -hmm. see it with, like, the forced perspective. Yeah. And um, he's just, like, a worker drone. Yes. And there's also another one later when he, like, gets locked out of his apartment all night long, and he has to sit on that bench. And it's, like, a huge bench. Yeah. It's, like, looks like it goes on for miles, and he's the only one on it. I think it's supposed to, like, make him seem like he's just, like, an every... Like a one man, every man kind of thing. Yeah, he, I mean they they do make him seem yeah that he's you know very average, middle of the road sort of. Except that he has so many stalker tendencies. I can't live without you. I won't let you live without me. Oh my god! Yeah, I wrote that too. Just all over the place, unrelenting. <laughs> it gets. It was troublesome because the last scene. Which is really a good ending, I think. Well, you hate typical romantic Hollywood endings. Very where much. Where the guy and the girl embrace. Kiss and... me, you fool! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't happen. Yeah. They, they don't even kiss in this movie, I realized. Like, At all? No, not At once. Not oh, once. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Romantic. <laughs> I think we can say the ending because the ending is not really a spoiler. They're right. just sitting playing cards. Right. It's sort of... She leaves Fred McMurray on New Year's Eve and then goes to his to Jacqueline's apartment and plays cards with him. Yeah, it's sort of inferred they're like gonna get together, but they don't have like a big heterosexual embrace. Yeah. Like they you know, have a very platonic evening, you mm-hmm. know, by the looks of things. Right after he's he says, I love you. <laughs> I'm crazy about you. <laughs> I know your every thought, Laura. <laughs> Nothing could keep me away. And of course, the looking up his her social security number and uh, yeah. appendix scar. That's a little creepy, dude. Yeah. And she just blows it off. Yeah, she was, I mean, she was definitely like, don't tell the fellows around the office how you know this. That's what she's worried about. Different times, man. Yeah. If it were today, she'd be like, ha ha ha, and then starts texting, help me to her <laughs> friends. Like, I don't know. That that was a little weird. But he's still... I mean, for the most part, he's charming. Minus those stalker tendencies. Uh, so while this is a romantic movie, it's shockingly adult. Yeah. You know? So my reference for, like, scandalous things in this period was that Psycho, which was 59 or 60... I think it was the same year, yeah. Um, you know, he had to fight to show a toilet. And... Like, the scene where yeah, they flushed up down the toilet. Like, that was a big to-do. <laughs> so, like, the idea that <clears throat> Shirley MacLaine takes a bunch of sleeping pills at one point and, like, actively tries to kill herself yeah. seems really shocking, especially for a movie that achieved, like, mainstream appeal. That's right. It was a huge success. Yeah. Five Academy Awards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to know the gross report on this movie. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Uh, yeah, it, it just... it. It seems funny to me that, yeah, a toilet was like, Hitchcock had to fight the censors to get a toilet in Psycho. Yeah. Uh, but, but they just Shirley MacLaine <laughs> trying to off herself, and it's not like a small little portion of the movie, there's a huge chunk of like, you know, end of act two or the beginning of act three, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's devoted to this. And like the neighbor comes over, the doctor neighbor, 
and is like trying to get her, you know, resuscitated and like awake, and he like slaps her. Yeah. I think he's really slapping yeah, her too. It looks I wrote that. <laughs> like you know, it might just be like a great sound effect and great acting. But, but her it, eyes are closed, and he's like, yeah. I mean, she looks like she's getting slapped in the face, and it looks like she's being comatose about it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just this big chunk of the movie that is so dark and dour and right. bleak and, you know, previously had been, like, a screwball comedy kind of of sorts. Yeah. And it just took this wild turn. Uh, I, I don't want to say turned. It was an organic flow right. of the movie. Like, it was a, a logical extension of their actions. So I don't want to make it sound like it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, watching this movie in the lens of, like, a 1961 viewer... That had to be shocking. Agreed, yeah. I mean, I, when I first saw this movie, it was a couple of years ago, and I didn't know that scene was in there, and I was shocked. Because that's, you just, you just don't think that that's what you're getting into when you sit down and watch one of these old Hollywood black yeah. and white movies, you know? And we were talking about this last week, but it's like, unlike the cover art for the DVD, it's, you know, Shirley MacLaine, like, Shoulders shrugging and smiling and, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do about it? Like, yeah. typical, like, rom-com sort of pose. And it's got Fred McMurray and Jack Lemmon in the background. They're both, like, smiling and laughing. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just, <laughs> when you actually watch the movie, it's like, oh, no, no she tries to kill herself. Mm-hmm. No, that... I mean, I guess the premise before that is even kind of dark because it's like Jack yeah. Lemmon is letting these... His people, his super, whose superiors use his apartment to have affairs, yeah, just so that he himself can get promoted, you know, yeah, and get looked favorably upon, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> that sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's got to be like very bottom of the barrel way to like get ahead, yeah, to, to succeed in business with without actually like being very good at your job. Do you think the other worker drones were suspicious if they knew the score? Yeah. I mean, some of them had to, because it, it comes out, you know, Fred McMurray had the affair with his secretary. Right. Because she tells Shirley MacLaine what's up. So there has to be, like, bubblings around the office that all the bosses sleep with all the secretaries or try to. Yeah. Or elevator girls, as it, as it were. Uh, and so there ha- they had to sort of know what was up. Whether that leaked to the men in the office, you know... I'm just thinking of like when he packs up his desk to go into like the actual office that he gets. There's that old guy that's next to him that's just like, "Oh yeah, congratulations!" It's like, shouldn't the older guy be promoted? I don't know. Yeah, because earlier he says something like, "I've been here twice as long as you," or something like that. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. I wonder if there's like resentment brewing about that. Those old timers, they can't learn anything new. <laughs> That the new typewriter that he's gonna have to use. <laughs> what is this QWERTY system? <laughs> I use ASVAB and I will continue to use it. <laughs> I don't know if that's a typing system. I was like, wow. <laughs> um, what was that word then? I don't know. Good job. Thanks. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to invent a new typing keyboard <laughs> as for that. Um, Two A's in the top line. Of the <laughs> you use A a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of words that have A in it. Uh, 
apartment has A's. <laughs> Two of them. There you go, see? So you can just jam all your fingers <laughs> down at once and spell apartment. It's the apartment keyboard. Exactly. That's why it was it was invented, was to be able to type the word apartment at a quicker pace than QWERTY could ever do. <laughs> eh, Hollywood? <laughs> eh? Copyright extra demands. <laughs> God, we're just knocking them out of the park today. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um, there's this, I think it's the first scene when there's, they have their little meet cute on the elevator and then as they're walking off, that older guy like smacks her butt. Oh yeah. They're talking about her and he says, I'd like to be on the slow elevator to China with her. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And I don't know what he means. (laughs) I think he just means that he wants to spend a lot of time secluded with her alone. On the slow elevator. That has to go all the way to China. <laughs> oh, that would give you a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. He could wear down her defenses, are her, and then he'd be out in China, a free man. <laughs> okay. Well, now It'd I know it'd be a long time <laughs> for the, before she could get back to America and press charges. That's right, yeah, because the elevator has to go all the way back. Yeah, and she's got to be in that elevator, because <laughs> no one will operate it otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> that did seem like kind of a superfluous job, now that I think about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe there... It couldn't have been long for this world, that that position. (laughs) I mean, maybe at, like, there was a point in time where elevators were a little bit more complicated. Like, at some point, I think they needed, they had, like, levers. But she's pushing buttons. Yeah, I I mean, really, I mean, I have one in my apartment. (laughs) And, you know, this place isn't populated with rocket scientists. (laughs) I'd love to see the training, like... Day one <laughs> on the job. It's an intensive camp where they have to send them away. <laughs> Two weeks training. Can you imagine? <sighs> For every different scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Um, also, did you notice... I don't know. This is probably me projecting. But the um, there's the scene where her brother-in-law is looking for her after she's committed, like tried to commit suicide. Yeah. Um, and he goes to the to the place and meets with the elevator leader lady the elevator manager woman sure did she seem a bit sapphic to you uh maybe if you can define what sapphic oh uh lesbianic i mean yes but to be fair every woman who has aged out of her sexuality seems lesbianic to me okay (laughs) so fair enough uh yeah just a stray observation i had there she just had such a Deep voice and uh, stern manner. Shut up, bro. <laughs> also, hey, <one> of... <laughs> that's what it took to get through the depression. <laughs> yeah, the elevator training course then took three weeks. See, we're all fay and dandy because we've led the charmed life. <laughs> if we had to sell the farm and move to California, we, we'd be just as stern and gravel-voiced <laughs> as that old lady. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're probably right. <laughs> well, I probably would have smoked more back then, too. <laughs> well, you had to. I feel like, uh... I had to? Like, it was yeah, the law? Yeah, didn't everybody start smoking at, like, seven, then? Because they didn't want you to get too tall. <laughs> well, you have to support those tobacco farmers. America! Fuck yeah! Hey, they're American crops. Buy American. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, kid. <laughs> Smoke up. Here's a cup of joe for you, too. <laughs> You're gonna start eventually. May as well do it today. 
we can't have you be taller than four foot eleven to fix these gears and train engine. <laughs> we want your fingers to stay stubby so you can get into that small gear in the back there. It's always falling off. I like how we just imagine Snowpiercer <laughs> at any time in history. Wow, I can't really... Uh, that's a real jump from the apartment to Snowpiercer. It's hard to mash those together. Another quote that I really liked from this movie is uh, when on Christmas Eve, after Jack Lemmon goes home with that one woman, um, he gets her into his place and he says, you are now alone with a notorious sex pot. Yeah. Do you think that was inflammatory at the time? Sex pot? Yeah. Inflammatory to who? Um... Like actual you, sex pots? <laughs> I was gonna say, do you think there were sex pots out there being like, why I never? <laughs> or do you think like the phrase "sex pot" was like making women clutch their pearls? <laughs> well, I was thinking the second one, but <laughs> I prefer thinking the first one now. Just people walking out. It was inflammatory because there's no way Jacqueline could ever be a sex pot. Pretty much, yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, I mean, maybe. Is it just the word "sex" that that? Raise your antennae? No, I mean, it's just, it's okay for characters, uh, like peripheral characters to be having sex, mm -hmm. but then to have it be the main character mentioned that they have sex mm. seems like, and saying that word seemed like something that just got well, past the censors at that time. Maybe because it was ironic, because he did not have sex in that apartment, oh, maybe, but he, yeah. it was just his reputation for it. Uh, maybe that's why, like... Because, yeah, it, uh, yeah, if he actually was a sex pot, I don't think they would have let it fly, maybe. As well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, if it turned into a full-on you know, nude sex scene, that would have been real. Those, those nudorama movies from, from 1961. <laughs> I mean, right after it, the... the it, it was stiff competition at the awards <laughs> that year. I mean, that would have been right after the, the attempted suicide scene. It's like, what movie are we in anymore? <laughs> Hey, Ryan. Yeah. Do you know what color Shalom McLean's hair is? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, I guess women aren't always the villain. Redheaded women. There's a lot of redheaded women out there that can still be, you know, heroic or... That's true. Heroine. <laughs> I really wanted to know the hair color of all the men that were um, his superiors. Because I feel like that would have been prime territory to have a redhead in. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Fred McMurray's brunette. Right. And I'm pretty sure Jack Lemmon's black or brunette. I looked up Ray Walston, and it's funny because he apparently... I couldn't, well, I couldn't find any pictures of him that were in color uh, when he was young enough to have hair that was colored. And every, like... <laughs> site that listed um celebrity stats listed his hair as gray so <laughs> not very helpful i like how we were both digging for <laughs> we both knew that this subject was going to be broached mm -hmm. it's probably it's probably one of the like slutty women who were going to the apartment probably had red hair uh like joan and mad men she's got the red hair exactly yeah red probably didn't uh show very well in black and white probably just came off as brunette yeah, I mean, that's sort of the way that it looks for Shirley MacLaine. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'd be able to identify her as a redhead if I didn't already know. Mm -hmm. hmm. 
I wonder if they dyed it or if it just like looks naturally brunette because of the black and white. I don't know. Lucille Ball, you kind of get an idea, but they kind of dyed it almost orange back in yeah, those days. To make it pop as redhead. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's about all I got. I mean, I love that scene that Jack Lemmon improved uh, making the spaghetti. Is really he improved that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. That was... That was one of two scenes that Billy Wilder let him improv. The other one was when he squirts his nasal. Spray. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> that was so perfectly timed. Yeah. Oh, good on Jack. Yeah, that was a moment. And also, apparently, there was a moment when he gets punched um, that he didn't move fast enough and actually gets punched and falls over. And that's the take that uh, Billy Wilder wanted to use because it would look the most real. Because it was. It was, yeah. So. Huh. No, I did not look up any fun facts. There weren't a lot. Those are. I think that's about it. Okay. Um, other than like the forced perspective situation of the office, and he actually like used you know converging lines and shorter people as you got further back. Eventually, oh, getting really? to children in the very very back. Really? Yeah. So that's why it looks like it goes on forever and ever and ever. Oh wow! Fascinating. Yeah, Billy Wilder's a very interesting person. If you've ever looked at his history and wikipedia page i haven't no i think he escaped nazi germany he was jewish yeah in like 31 or 32 sounds right something like yeah Yeah. there (laughs) um so good for him because otherwise we wouldn't have all these wonderful movies yeah uh i mean that was another thing is like a lot of those old hollywood directors were european immigrants uh mostly from like eastern europe at the time and then they took totally American names. Like, I'm sure he was not born Billy Wilder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they came to America. And I don't know how you get, how how you go from, like, Eastern European, like, fresh off the boat to, like, being, like, one of Hollywood's biggest directors. I don't know. Land of opportunity then, I guess. I guess. It's nice. I mean, I liked, I liked how his neighbor was jewish like very strongly jewish yeah yeah and like i learned i think this is the movie where i learned the word mensch you know yeah it's like i i for one love other cultures coming (laughs) in and teaching me about their culture yeah like i think that enriches the world (laughs) yeah uh no i i I, no i agree like it's sort of a i like to the variety i like you know the, the one of every kind, the you know, yeah. celebrating the differences and, uh, but yeah, I didn't think about that because yeah, neighbor the the doctor, uh, because yeah, they're they're having, like, was it like a Hanukkah? No, there was just the menorah in the background, right? right. Yeah, and you can just I think his name too is very is very Jewish and he mm-hmm. kind of has like mannerisms, but he's not a caricature, no, which I thought was really was nice, you know, that was still a time when you could get like very. Like, like, what's his face from Breakfast at Tiffany's? This is not the salad of my people. Oh, it's so painful. (laughs) So painful. Yeah. I mean, really the Asian stereotype stuff. I don't know when that stopped, or even if you could say that it stopped, but, you know... Even in the, into the eighties, like sixteen candles and stuff like that, you long duck dong. No, 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 it's rough. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we're reaching an epoch where people are more aware of these things. Um, but everything's up in the air. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you got you got a little deep there. <laughs> mm-hmm.
put the middle scene of that movie up against the first scene, it would seem like they're two different movies. For sure, yeah. But it goes so organically into like those darker moments that it doesn't seem like too much of a shift. Yeah. And then it kind of comes out of it, too. Like, not totally. It doesn't end in, like, you know, total comic area. But it, it ends on a brighter it note. It ends on a good note, yeah. That's what I mean, like, he, he really knew how to direct a movie. Mm-hmm. Good job, Billy. Yeah. Is he still alive? I really doubt it. <laughs> I do too. But I was just, if he was, I'd invite him on. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, of the people who, who worked on the apartment, only Sharon McLean is still alive. Yeah, that would make sense. How old is Shirley McLean? I don't know, let's see. That apartment was from 1961, or at least that's when it was released, so. I would say she was 20 at that time. So she's got to be closing 80 in something? on 80. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm going to look it up. I'm really curious now. Wow, born 1934. So, yeah. 83. 82, 83. Wow. Good job, Shirley. Yeah. Apparently she's sort of like her brother where she has lots and lots of sex every day. <laughs> What? Who's your brother? Warren Beatty. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. I also didn't know that he has lots and lots of sex every day. Oh, yeah. He has the... There's, like, the stupid rumor that, of course, he, you know, doesn't shy away from. That he had sex, like, three times a day. Like, each time with a different woman. For, like, 20 years. Uh-huh. That seems... Mathematically difficult. <laughs> I don't even get introduced to three different people a day. <laughs> you really have to work at that. <laughs> <laughs> and but but he he put it all behind him when he met Annette. Wow. Are they still married? Yeah. Well, oh, good for them. <laughs> so, do you think Warren Beatty makes Annette Bening dress up as three different women <laughs> throughout the day? I, you know, I bet she'd be down for it. I could I could see her playing that. Man, does she have to come up with a new group Persona. of three every time? <laughs> I mean, she is an actress, so it's possible. Or do you think she has like some that she returns to? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, do you think like once a week she goes to like a costume store and is like, I need <laughs> twenty one different personas. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm just picturing, like, costume, displaying costume. She's like, the scream guy! (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking she'd be doing stupid stuff, like, today you're a gypsy. (laughs) Roma, sorry, Roma. And then, you know, tomorrow you're Catwoman. (laughs) But I like yours. Today, yeah, she's the scream. Uh, Iron Man, but it's like the crummy one where it's like a kid's, you know, just the mask, and then it's a t-shirt that has Iron Man on it. <laughs> uh, I mean, whatever day, works, if they're happy. <laughs> one day she's like a sexy nurse, like in the candy striper outfit, and then like later that day she just doesn't want to try, so she's like, sexy nurse, but it's just like OR scrubs. <laughs> and she's just like, sexy, yeah, I'm sexy. <laughs> she just... Puts on a coat, lab coat, and it's like, sexy doctor! (laughs) 
Getting promoted. <laughs> Halloween's just a bore for her. <laughs> What are you doing for Halloween, Annette? Nothing. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, what would you like to watch next week? Well, I feel like this is probably the first one. Oh, I don't know. Tam Popo was probably a blind spot for you. Like, yeah. you didn't see that one coming. Um, but I don't know. It just it feels like it's been a while since there's been one that I think that you probably haven't seen and maybe haven't heard of. Ooh, Hopefully. Okay. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Clean Shaven? I haven't. Okay. We're doing Clean Shaven then. Excellent. Um, it stars the rapist police officer from Pulp Fiction. Okay. Uh, and he's the only name of note that I can think of in that movie. Hmm. Um, it's been years and years since I've seen it, so it may suck. <laughs> that happens. But if I remember correctly, it really, it really does a good job of visual storytelling. It, it creates an aura of mystery based on what's actually in frame. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm and up for a visual movie after this last one. I also remember it's short. I think it's like 88 minutes. Okay. Uh, well, should we should we plug our junk? Plug our get junk? out of here. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at X Rated Movies. It's a great thing to follow. <laughs> uh, uh, if you want to like our page on Facebook, it's at Rated X Movies. We will respond to anything you post. If you want to email us, we are at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. We will respond to anything you write with maybe a cute cat pic. Mm. Uh, mm, tempting. It's tempting. And uh, we're on iTunes currently, so rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, that's like. how we get. That's how we get popular. Yeah. And uh, you don't even have to. I mean, obviously, you're listening to this podcast if you're hearing this part. But like, tell your friends to do it too, and they don't have to listen. They can just yeah, give us five stars, man. Yeah, that's all we really want. <laughs> I'm a, I'm and a, a bunch of listeners. Yeah. And advertising. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you like it, don't don't lie. <laughs> That would be that'd be weird. I'm looking forward to our first two star review. <laughs> they didn't hate it totally. They <laughs> just had some beef with it. Anyway, next week we'll see you then. Next week, clean shaven. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.